Hello everybody and welcome to Stories vs Stigma, a candid podcast where I have conversations with guests about all things mental health and other taboo topics. I'm your host, Tash Binney, a medical student at King's College London and a part-time content creator on social media. In this episode, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Viha, who is a medical student from India. In this episode, Viha shares her story with mental health and she gives us some really, really great tips on coping mechanisms and things that she has done to find happiness. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this both inspiring and uplifting podcast episode. Just a bit of a trigger warning, in this episode there is talk of sexual abuse and sexual assault. Of course, as always with every podcast episode, I will link some helpful links in the show notes where you can find support on all of the topics mentioned in today's episode. Um, thanks so much for coming on Stories Fast Stigma. I'm really excited to chat to you today. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. Hi, thank you so much for having me and for giving me this opportunity. I'm really excited and scared. Um, haven't done anything like this before, so looking forward to it. <laughs> I think it's normal to be a bit apprehensive um, when you're sort of sharing your story and it's very personal, um, but hopefully <laughs> it will be okay. <laughs> Maybe could you introduce yourself a little bit? Yes. So my name is Viha Vig. I'm originally from India, born and brought up here. Um, I studied biochemistry in the U.S. and did. I'm, I've been involved with research um, since my third year of my college. And um, I worked as a researcher for two years after. Um, and now I am studying medicine in my second year at University of Auckland in New Zealand. <laughs> oh wow I didn't realize you were studying in New Zealand where are you now are you in India now I'm in India right now um we just started this year like I started my course this year because graduate entry uh, 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 I've been doing it online it's it it has its own pros and cons it's yeah. not the, uh, it's not the most ideal situation but hoping things will change soon <laughs> so would you be able to tell us your story with mental health yeah, so it's it's a bit of a tricky story because um, I I never received a formal diagnosis from a from a mental health professional, and I never got the opportunity to um, make use of the the kind of services that I heard about on your podcast, which which I thought was like um, it was a very yeah it's a very different story in that sense, and also that. Um, that there was a lot of things that happened when I was a child. Um, there was uh, sexual assault from my family, um, from people who worked uh, with my family. And then there was, uh, you know, an unstable home environment. Uh, it can, like things can get heated when you're living in a joint family. And um, yeah, I also witnessed like one of my closest family members attempt suicide. So all these things were very um, emotionally heavy and draining. And, um, Honestly, growing up as a child, I, my perception of the world was like, okay, these things are normal. And I had also kind of repressed these memories. And it wasn't until that I was in about 15 or 16, um, I had this incident, this episode where I, so I, I loved playing uh, football. Um, I don't know if it's called soccer in the U.S. In, in, football, in- football. Okay. <laughs> football, I still do. And um I love running and athletics and you know things like that and it was during one of my games um, I got dehydrated and I fainted fell to the ground my legs wouldn't move after they were kind of paralyzed for a few days um, so everyone you know my parents got really worried we went to the hospital there was nothing physiologically wrong with me so the doctors was, were like oh maybe she's faking it and I was like I'm not faking it <laughs> I love football I like I that's something I don't want to give up uh, but yeah, and then, um, and after they got over the, maybe, maybe she was faking it, but they were like, oh, maybe, maybe you should go see a psychiatrist or something. So they did take me to the hospital's psychiatrist mm-hmm. and he was like, okay, she's running, she's eating, she's healthy. She's got her grades in check. She's got her extracurriculars. She has mm-hmm. friends, 
family supportive so there's nothing wrong with her you know um that's so in- that's yeah. so interesting um <laughs> uh I think I mean one um like a medical profession professional to not believe you um I think unfortunately some people will be able to relate to that um which is really not how it should be and really awful to hear and um second of all I just I just kind of interrupted you there because I really related to what you were saying about kind of on the outside having this so-called perfect life you know having everything you know having good grades and kind of being you know functioning um but actually you can still be really ill um because I was really ill through my third year of uni and I was still passing my exams um so actually because I I guess well I struggled with depression and I guess the sort of stereotype for depression is in bed all day literally never leaving the house and some days were like that for me but most of the days they weren't um so yeah I think that's really interesting sorry sorry interrupted you <laughs> like you said on the outside everything looks good but on the inside mm. it's a mess and you don't know how to you know deal with it or process it and it was it was also at this time a lot of my memories from childhood were coming back mm-hmm. and I was and I was also like realizing you know I guess I was also like my moral compass and ethical uh, code was developing and I was realizing okay like these things were not right like that happened and it was it was it was taking me a lot of time and energy and effort um, to just process that okay this happened and I didn't know it happened and um, and obviously, like as a child, I, I I think I was like just looking for someone to blame, and I think that the easiest person for me to blame was myself. You know, like as someone who's so high functioning, you automatically just tend to blame yourself and be like, you know, you could have done better, you could have done something else. But it also like took me time to realize I just didn't know better. Like I didn't know any of these things as a child. Like any of these things were like what they actually meant. And so it was like much later in in life, like after high school and during college, that's that's when most of my, uh, what do I say, um, healing happened. That's when uh, most of my processing happened. Uh, it's, it's when I really learned how to deal with them. <laughs> yeah, so that that is like a gist of my mental health story. But I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, after I learned how to process and deal with things, like everything was perfect and every day is like, oh yeah the sun is shining and you're smiling it's not like that like reality and life is not like that like life is like a duality experience you have good days you have bad days you just become stronger and learn how to get to the bad and the good yeah definitely um it took me a long time to learn that actually I think when I was starting to recover I thought every day I had to be like happy and well like super you know like enjoying life smiling laughing um and on the days where I felt a bit sad I really I went into sort of like not I wasn't full on panicking, but I got quite apprehensive. I was like, oh gosh, this is me getting ill again. And actually I had to learn that no, being sad for, you know, a few hours or a day, or, you know, if it's sadness in response to an event or a situation that's actually maybe healthy and, and, you know, in inverted commas, normal, I don't like the word normal, but it's a healthy mind being sad and happy. Um, It's just not a healthy mind being sad all of the time. Yeah, yeah and I think I think your your Instagram stories like the way you portray yourself on Instagram I think that that really helps because often social media like makes mm. everything seem like it everything is so perfect and you should always be like looking great and smiling and on top of your mm. life that you're doing but it's it's Absolutely. nice to see someone who's honest so thank you for that <laughs> oh thank you but yeah I I completely agree sort of with the whole like toxic positivity and I think it's something that I often think about it's a really hard balance being sort of positive and being like you know if you're struggling it can get better um but then also not not kind of forcing it and always being like life's brilliant smile what are you grateful for because I think that actually this is going off on a tangent now but about I don't know whether you've ever sort of practiced like gratitude or like thinking or writing down what you're grateful for um and I actually tried to do this when I was really ill and it made me feel really guilty because I was like I have so many things to be grateful for but why am I sad um yeah I don't know what your thoughts are on that um in that sense I feel like a lot of people say that, okay, yeah, let's do affirmations. Let's practice mm. gratitude. Let's do breath work. 
but honestly i would say like you know different things work for different people and at different times like you can't like one thing cannot work for you all the time because every situation every moment of your life is different it's it's a different challenge that you know that you're going through so it, you like like for me like it was really important for me to understand that okay like listen diha you have to have like a toolbox of things like may call it self care or whatever it is that that you that you can use and like turn to at a time when you're in distress and when you're uncomfortable and you know you don't feel the best version of yourself like you got to have a toolbox you got to try what works for you then and see you know take it from there like see how it makes you feel like and and you also sometimes have to accept that it's okay that if nothing works you find something it's because it is a process it doesn't happen overnight it doesn't happen even over a week or a month but it's a process it it requires a little bit of effort from your side so would you be able to share sort of some of the feelings you were feeling <laughs> um at that point in your life if you can and kind of um what you did to find um what made you feel good and and what of what those things are that you have in your toolbox yeah so, so when i was when i started to process things like i there were times that um i would break down in public and cry for hours without any reason i remember this one time i was just sitting at home and i started crying and my brother he's much younger than me and he was he was he came he came and sat next to me and he was comforting me um for like 2 hours and i felt bad for him because i started feeling guilty because like i didn't want to put this on him and i didn't want him to experience this but i also didn't know how to stop so it was it was a weird situation to be in and there were times that like i that i had a lot that i had a lot of automatic negative thoughts that there was there was like a period where i would always go to the worst possible scenario or the worst possible outcome instantly there were also so there were i i did have like a lot of these symptoms that you say of um you know these different disorders um i also there were there were times that i couldn't be able to sleep for like maybe nights together in a month and that still happens sometimes um and um yeah and i wasn't able to get a uh, professional help for it like i it, it wasn't it wasn't easy to feel like i have to navigate this and understand this all by myself um especially at an age when you're like when you're like 15 16 and your hormones are all over the place and there's like five different things in your face your studies your future your friends boys and things like that you know so it was it was definitely not <laughs> easy like navigating it all by myself but and and so i had to think i i had to think of like other things but i but i must also say like my friends were extremely supportive my teachers were there they were extremely supportive and my parents were also there they were extremely supportive like they were doing the best they could with the knowledge and understanding that they had at that point in time you know and i and i guess they were doing whatever they thought that they needed to to protect me and for my best interest so in that sense i'm i'm very grateful that you know they they were there to support me even even though it 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 wasn't like what i wanted at that point or it wasn't like how i thought how i thought it should have been but they were doing their best so so these so the, there were these set of people who were supporting me but i but i still felt like alone i still felt like it was like it was down to me like because i i i felt like i was the only one who knew what i was going through and it was down to me to like navigate this and figure out a way to come out of it so initially it took me like a lot of i don't i don't know if you call it soul searching or just trying different things and trying to figure out like how can i move past this like how can i get out of this so when um when i was much younger like my mom she taught me this practice um she and i we learned this practice together it's called reiki so it's a hands on japanese therapeutic technique so um and and it like it believe so we like in in this practice we talk a lot about like you know cleansing your body cleansing your mind and like balancing your chakras and things like that so it so like um the like just connecting with the with the community like with the reiki community like um during school it was mainly my mom who you know who i could talk to 
um, who, who would understand this? There was no one else who was practicing this or even you knew about this. And during college, I started volunteering um, at, at, a, at, uh, at a hospital in the cancer ward as a Reiki practitioner. And I found this community of Reiki practitioners who like, and they taught me a lot. Like I'm, I'm forever, forever grateful like to these lovely ladies because I learned, I learned how important it was to like get to know myself, like just to know like what I like, what I don't like. I learned how important it was to set boundaries for myself. Like, yes, like I really enjoy mm -hmm. helping people and things like that. But it, like setting boundaries was like very, very, very important. And, you know, like it, like, it's like, it's like you have to put your own oxygen mask on before you can put someone else. So it was like that kind of situation. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so I learned like a lot of different things from these ladies. And I also like, I also, so these ladies are much, much elder to me. So I, but, so I also felt like it was like a safe space for me to talk and connect and talk about, talk about life and different things. And even, so we also had patients like, because we were, volunteering in a cancer ward there were patients like you know uh, there were more patients who passed away than who had a remission so it was like emotionally taxing and emotionally draining so it was a sa safe space for us to talk about things like this process things and I guess for me to learn different things another another really really important thing that I learned was to like look in the mirror and say I love you to myself because no one has ever taught me that. Why has no one ever taught me that? Oh <laughs> but... my word, I can relate to that so much. <laughs> so much. I and literally, no I. <laughs> no, and I actually, growing up, I got taught the opposite. I got taught that loving yourself is like arrogant and cocky and selfish. yeah, yeah, <laughs> selfish. <laughs> rather than if you don't love yourself who else is going to and and why shouldn't you um yeah. be your be being your own best friend I think is is something so important yeah and and just having a good relationship with yourself because because that's what you project in all of your other relationships right like that's how that that like sets the tone for every other relationship you're going to have so just having that like, you know, that loving relationship with yourself, like being compassionate, being kind and being like, it's okay if you make a mistake, it's just you, but like, I'm going to be there for you always, doesn't matter when, doesn't matter how, doesn't matter what happens. It's like, it's going to be you and me always, and we're going to get through this. And just Absolutely. that provides a lot of comfort. Like for me, even now, like the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is look in the mirror and be like, you know what? I love you. I know it sounds cocky, but like. Not at all. This is the thing. We're kind of taught that it sounds cocky, but it's so, so important, especially when you've struggled with that sort of low self-esteem and low self-worth. Yeah, it's, it's much needed. And, and even when I, so, so like, I, I'll talk about like how last year, like, was like a different set of challenges obviously pandemic and things like that but even even when I spoke to a lot of my friends um you know as we grew up I spoke to my friends and they because I had go, go, gone through something like this and they knew about it so when they went through something like this they, they came and talked to me about it and and even when I spoke to them like I realized like no one had ever told them something like this like no one had ever, had ever told them that you know you could love yourself and live your life too and still love other people like it's not there's no cap on on loving uh, you know loving other people there's no uh, there's no quota like there's infinite love within you to love you can tell you're a scientist <laughs> But no, yeah. I completely agree. And actually, like what you were saying about putting on your own oxygen mask first, actually, I find that when I'm in a better place with myself, I'm so much more kind to other people. Um, you know, when I'm happy, I'm like sharing that happiness and love if you like. That sounds really cringy, but I, I know you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get it. And like when you're in a better place, you're able to do, you're able to help other people and you're able to like, do better for other people and it's it's like I know I know like this the word selfish has a negative connotation associated with it but like honestly I tell all my friends you know be selfish because the more like 
obviously like not in a bad sense like <laughs> not no, like no, no, of course yeah yeah like but be selfish like take care of yourself first prioritize yourself mm-hmm. and and automatically like your like your surroundings will change and like you you just feel better and do better for other people like so so that's my experience so that's that's why like i tell my friends that um obviously it can it can take the it can like be different for different people it can take different amount of time you know to reach that stage and um it can even be a different feeling like because we're all different beings and mental health is like kind of like skincare like one thing doesn't work for everyone like you just have to try and figure out what works <laughs> i really like that analogy yeah i completely agree and i think also i think we're taught to be like the opposite of selfish when we're we're taught to be selfless Um, and I think especially like as um, we're both future healthcare professionals um, um, and a lot of people listening will probably be healthcare students or healthcare professionals um, or even if they're not um, we're kind of naturally selfless and, and want to care for other people so much so that I think we compromise our own sort of self-care which is really strange it's like we have so much you know empathy and, and care for other people and the way I kind of learned to do it was when I you know failed at something or something went wrong or you know that's normal which I also didn't learn as a child I, I thought normal was getting everything right and being like perfect <laughs> um, but yeah what was I saying yeah I learned I learned how so I imagined you know if my friend was like messaging me or on, on the phone and they were like oh Tash this has happened it's gone really wrong I would talk to myself in the same way that I would talk to them so I know that I would be like oh you know so and so don't worry these things happen it's life have a nice dinner have a cup of tea watch some tv just I would speak to them really kindly so I was like I need to start speaking to myself in the same way um in those situations and yeah that really helped me I think you put that really well because like we often tend to be nicer to our friends than to Mm -hmm. ourselves (laughs) I'm I'm not even sure why but um like for me like like you know that's what I was trying to say like it's different for different people like you so you you told yourself like see like I talk to my best friends like this and I should be talking to myself like mm. this so for me it was like I so I think of myself as like a little child so so, so when I talk to myself I'm I'm talking to a little child and like sometimes the little child gets scared sometimes I get scared but like but but like it's like we know that we're always there for each other and we're always just gonna make it work like we're we're just gonna get to it somehow and and like getting to that stage was like a lot of a lot of work <laughs> it, it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't the easiest part because no one teaches you these things directly no one talks about these things and um definitely no one hears these things on a daily basis but it, it's so that's why I wanted to come come on here and do, do an episode because I'm because in India there are still like still so many people like even today that like that's that you know are more they're so hesitant and there's so much resistance towards mental health and getting that care and um and there's no trust you know in that and and they and they're more worried about being labeled as you know crazy than as someone who's just not well it's it's very it's and I and I understand like like being an Indian I understand like how hard it can be to to go and get that care to like be different and talk about it um in a society like this so i i i wanted to do this podcast mainly like to let people know that hey you know like there's it's not there's not just one way to get help there's there's like different things um some of them that you could do by yourself to um to get to a better place to feel better about yourself to um overcome these things but obviously it's like very important to reach out when uh, you know to get help because there are people to support you but um i i feel like people are often get very scared and um yeah they they don't very scared to just even get help or even tell their friends that okay this is going on you know absolutely um yeah it's really interesting to hear i think yeah from the way that you spoke about it probably the stigma in india is is even worse maybe for mental health than it is here in the uk um what sort of um so you mentioned the kind of like 
people being labeled as crazy um what other sort of stigma maybe did you face and what sort of I guess I had a lot of sort of self-stigma um about mental illnesses before I was ill so I had to kind of overcome them for myself I don't know if you yeah could share some of the stigma that you faced yeah so so like you and I had a lot of self-stigma because it was ingrained in my head that you know okay like you can't talk about these things and you can't talk about these things like with your parents with your teachers with your friends because it's it's just like you know something like this is not expected and it's it's also like I feel really bad like thinking like reflecting back I just feel really bad because even with like when I went through like sexual assault and things like that it was I, I mean, I still haven't told my parents about it <laughs> and it happened within the family and it's, and, and that just breaks my heart because, because like I should be able to speak up and make sure that this, something like this doesn't happen again. But I, I mean, like, I'm also just really scared, like about how my family's going to take it. Um, I mean, obviously now that they, that if they listen to this, they're going to find out. Um, <laughs> but it's, 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 I'm still really scared and um yeah and people like you you know sometimes you tell people and they're like you know what this happens in every family mm-hmm. like, I've told like a few of my friends and let's say at least like two or two out of five have been like hey you know like this has happened in every family and this has happened to me too when I was a kid and I was like this this shouldn't be normalized like this should not be normal and this should not be like hey just, it's happened to you it's happened to me it's fine like you know, let's just get over it. We were kids. We didn't even know what was happening. It, it shouldn't be like that. It, like we should be able to like, you know, at least tell our parents and feel safe to be able to tell our parents or like someone we trust and I guess get the help we need or at least stop things from happening because it, it does affect a child's mindset. If it affects like how they develop relationships in the future. And yeah, it affects a lot of things and that, and some people don't even realize it, but like, you know, that, that these things have affected them and they're causing a lot of distress mm. in their life and they blame it on other things. They're like, oh, I'm just like that. Or like, oh, you know, it, it happened because of like my ex-boyfriend or something like that. But it like, yeah, some people like don't have that level of awareness to know that, oh, it's because of this, that I could have been behaving this way. So like there, there's a lot of stigma. <laughs> like it's it's more it's more like there's a lot of stigma. Like it's not easy to talk about a lot of things. Like um, you know, just sexual relations or sexual well-being in general or sexual assault or like mental health like this. Um, like <laughs> like when when I told my parents, like they were really supportive, but my parents are also very religious. So like, the, I, I get it. So their instinct was to like do a prayer, do a ritual. And then um, obviously like it, I, the, the symptoms didn't go away for a while. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it was like, okay, like at least it's bringing them solace, like if not for myself. Mm. Uh, but it, it like this went on for a year. Like I felt like crap for a year and it wasn't fun. And before, like, I really started to process things. And, um, yeah, and, and the rituals, the, the, like, ritual ceremonies went on for a year. And <laughs> I know it sounds funny, but I'm, I, like, I know that they were doing their best. Like, I, I know that with whatever they knew and whatever they thought, uh, whatever they were taught growing up, they, they were doing their best. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? The stigma yeah. sort of with the generation above us is even, you know, even worse. <laughs> and I yeah. can relate to my parents trying to support me, but maybe not not doing the best. My mum, I remember like calling my mum being in like floods of tears. And she was like, oh, darling, go and buy yourself a cake or something. And it was like, <laughs> oh, I don't really think that's going to cure my depression. But, but I, I know what you mean. But yeah, I'm really, really sorry to hear about what you went through. Um, absolutely, that should never be normalized. Um, that's definitely not not a normal thing that people should should experience and go through. Um, you know, unlike maybe depression, which unfortunately is an illness that sometimes isn't completely preventable. Um, not saying that it sometimes isn't prevent. Uh, sometimes 
sometimes it could be preventable um but yeah I'm, I'm really really sorry um well I experienced sexual assault as well um and I blamed myself so much um I didn't tell anybody until actually quite recently really I told people at the time and they kind of didn't really they believed me but they kind of sort of played it down a bit um right at the time because they were sort of um, friendly with the person um, who assaulted me. Um, so yeah, I kind of, it was, it was just horrible. And I, I never, I never got um, proper sort of therapy for that, which I think everybody should. Um, um, but yeah, it's, I, and my parents don't know about that. Um, but yeah, it's a, I think it's a difficult thing to tell your parents, especially like when you said that it was within your family. Um, at least you could speak to your friends about it, but it's so upsetting to hear that, um, you know, for some of them, that was, that's what's happened to them as well. And that's like a normal thing. Um, but it does highlight that perhaps when you open up yourself about something, other people will then go, oh like me too that's what I've found with sort of my mental health I remember when I had an eating disorder many moons ago well it wasn't that many years ago I'm not that old about six years ago um I remember like telling my best friend this is my best best friend sort of a year into it and then she actually turned around and said oh me too I've been suffering from ex eating disorder um and I was like oh my gosh how have we not spoken about this um so yeah um, yeah, I, I'm so sorry that you went through that. I uh, I did hear your podcast, but it's it's like I'm I'm really sorry. I I wish things could have been different. Yeah, and, and the same I, for you. you. I can help you. Please do let me know. Oh, thank you. That's really sweet. That's really nice. So, um, what kind of things are in your toolbox? You mentioned the. Reiki is it Reiki I have heard of it before I think um maybe you could kind of explain so you said it's sort of cleansing the body and the mind is yes, that so right how yeah. does explain how it works <laughs> give us a dummy's guide um to Reiki so um so Reiki means life force energy so it's it's basically balancing like the life force energy in your body it's kind of it's, it's a spiritual practice so um, you just place your hands on different parts of your body for about three minutes or more. Um, and you can you can play like soothing music if you like. Um, there's like, there are a lot of albums on Spotify, um, you know, uh, with the, like for Reiki music. Mm -hmm. And um, and yeah, you just place your hands on the different parts of the body. And so, th so that's touch healing, but it can also be distance healing. Um, so it usually, so, for we do it like you'll see it more often um, in cancer wards in different hospitals um, around the world more more in, more on the more in the western part of the world uh, because it's a little bit more accepted there so it um, it helps it helps with symptoms sometimes um, it helps a lot with um, you know overcoming psychological pain and um, you know just like trauma and uh, yeah, it, and it helps people fall asleep, and that's and that's very important. Like especially if you're a cancer patient with level seven or level nine pain, and you've been in pain for like a few days or like maybe a few months, it's like just even getting, I guess, an hour of good sleep, um, you know, can help can help elevate your mood. So so in that sense, like for them, it was. Um, I, I feel like from my experiences, I've I've always got a positive review from. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, what an, what an amazing thing for you to do to volunteer your time in a hospital. And yeah, as you said at the start, like I, I obviously it's a very emotional place, um, but what an amazing thing for you to do to pass on that kind of skills that you had. Um, I guess, would you say it's kind of a form of like mindfulness as in like, it's sort of turning all your busy thoughts yeah. off because you're just sort of connecting to yourself and being quite present rather than worrying about everything else in the outside world yeah it's it in a sense it is a mindfulness practice so usually like traditionally mm -hmm. we just uh, we just play music and place our hands around uh, the body but I would as a, as a practitioner I would love gi giving guided meditations during the Reiki sessions so <laughs> so um, yeah so in that sense it became like more of like breath work and mindfulness and um, yeah and and you know, like healing different 
like different traumas like i like i would do different versions of you know me- guided meditation practice like whether it's self compassion or um you know like healing childhood trauma or you know just um overcoming anxiety and things like that so um yeah i i, I was it, i was definitely happy like because i could make like an impact um on the lives of these cancer patients and it was it was very fulfilling and it was very satisfying um also being like emotionally draining at the same time mm. but but at the same time um in addition like for like uh, in addition to you know i also i did this for them but i also did this for myself because mm. it it really um i'm i'm not sure what it is about the practice i'm still trying to um <laughs> get get down to it but it it really elevated my mood and i in the process of giving them a session i felt energized i i felt like i was in a better place and like just giving them a guided meditation i also felt like i just internalized it at some point in time you know along with them and and also like just i i also just felt grateful for my life like um i know i know because yeah like seeing so much suffering and so much pain that they were in i just i felt like you know i'm that i i have a healthy body and i can do things to like help others and i'm i am in i guess like how you said in your podcast uh, episode that privileged in a sense to be able to do all these different things and help different people so i it just reminds you that you know like you you're going to be fine <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I can I can tell you're so um passionate about it. You obviously this is a podcast, so people can't see your face. Um, but you're kind of like smiling and like uh lifted when you're speaking about it, which is really, really, really lovely. Um, but it just goes to show there are so many different things out there that, like you were saying, might work for somebody. I mean, I'd love to try Reiki. Um, but there are just so many options out there. And sometimes, you know, it like you said as well, like it's not gonna take a day or a week to find what works for you and I think the thing with things like because I know in the UK we definitely talk about sort of mindfulness all the time um and actually it took me a long time to work out that well for me anyway mindfulness is something that I can use as a task or a practice which makes me switch off all these like invasive thoughts like our brain is so busy um so what for me that means doing sometimes doing like a jigsaw puzzle um or like painting really badly um but whatever it is and it's it might be completely different for the next the next person but it's just about investing time in yourself to find um what works for you I think um one thing that I did want to pick up on I wrote down when you spoke about it because I've got a memory of a fish um you spoke about setting boundaries um which I think is really important especially for our future careers as doctors um how what sort of boundaries do you set how how do you set them um yeah talk us through that so as 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 a healthcare professional or like anyone in the healthcare field um or like even as a person who likes helping other people <laughs> it's so important for like us to set boundaries because we we can often because we often go out of our way to do something for other people but we don't realize that you know sometimes it's too much and sometimes it we're harming ourselves in the process of helping someone else and um and at that time i feel like it's it's very important for us to like okay let's take a step back let's take sorry let's take a step back we've done as much as we can we've um you know tried our best but for now let's let's just take a step back focus on ourselves and you know move let's let's process this let's reflect a bit let's understand what's going on and and then and then go on to like do whatever help other people right so in so i feel like i i mainly realize this as a reiki practitioner because i would um yeah i would often feel really bad uh for patients that um that i i couldn't do more like i couldn't do enough and um yeah i guess it's also one of the reason i started giving guided meditations uh because you you know because i feel like it helped patients align their thoughts better and um uh, and things like that but but yeah you often feel like okay like i am i doing enough i'm not doing enough and and like a lot of people especially in the healthcare industry like imposter syndrome kicks in and you're like 
okay, I'm not good enough. Like, like enough things are not happening and we always have to do more and more and more, you know, to like prove to ourselves that, okay, like I have helped someone or like someone is doing better. So, so in that sense, like you need to, and, and you need to like set boundaries, not just to take care of your mental health, because, because mental health can at one point, you know, affect your physical health and manifest as diseases in your physical health and phys- like as physiological diseases. Mm. So, so it's very, like, um, it's very important, like, you know, to set, set that boundary and recognize that, okay, like, I need a break now. Um, and I like it, and also like understand that, you know, people might think different things, but you need to get yourself together first. You need to take care of yourself first. Mm-hmm. Be selfish, I guess, and prior- prioritize yourself so you can help someone else better. Like, so you, so your health can be more productive and uh, mm-hmm. more, I guess, useful and effective for someone else. So setting boundaries was was really important, like for me, because I would, um, I like we had like two two hour volunteer sessions every week. But I would go, I would like, you know, be like, okay, no, I can do another hour because like, mm. uh, you know, there's so many patients, there's so many requests. Um, and, I, and I got this, like, I can do it. And my Reiki mentor, she would sit me down and she'd be like, okay, listen, go have a chocolate, go have some onion drinks, go have a glass of water. Uh, you're going to relax for some time. And then we'll see if you actually want to do another hour or, or if you want to come back another day. And, and I think like that, that was really important because um, yeah, yeah, as a, like Reiki is a lot about energy exchange. And as, as a practitioner, you do get drained out. You often get drained out and uh, you're often leaning on uh, over the bed. So your back gets affected, your posture mm-hmm. gets affected. So, um, and all these things I did not realize until they started happening to me. Um, so in that sense, um, you know, it was, that's how I learned how to set boundaries. And that's how I also like applied it to everything else in my life. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like, I'm, I'm going to put myself first because yes, I care about myself, but I also care about others and I want people around me to also be happy. So it's, it's, it's not just like when you're being selfish, you're not just doing it for yourself. You're also doing it for those who like love and care about you and those around you. Yeah, absolutely. I really love how you describe that. And I think it's so, so important, you know, kind of a simple analogy as if you stay sort of on your 12 hour shift for even longer for 14, 16 hours, and then you, you know, you get two or three hours less sleep, you're going to be so tired for your next day that you might be more likely to make mistakes or something. Um, that was a really simple analogy. Um, another thing, what was I? Oh yes, that's what I wanted to say. Um, I related to it in the sense that um, before I was ill, everything that I did sort of outside my academic work had to be kind of in inverted commas productive. It had to be kind of things that I could put on my CV, for example. Like if I was playing a sport, it would have to be, you know, I need to be captain so I can prove that I'm a leader and all these blah, 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 blah. Um, But now I kind of like, sometimes I just watch the trashiest TV program on Netflix. And although, you know, it's probably not, what's what's the word? It's from an outsider, it's not like the best use of my time but actually it's so important because it allows my mind to kind of switch off and then when I do do something for others um I'm more yeah it's just it's just better because I've allowed myself that time rather than just yeah so I think it's important not to feel guilty for doing those things um especially never for sleeping <laughs> I hope no one ever feels guilty for sleeping because <laughs> that's so important actually brought up a really good point and um and it ties in with something that i that i wanted to talk about earlier so so you were talking about like how 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 important it is for you know to do something that makes you feel good and not yeah about it and and to to know what makes you feel good it's, it's also very important to like again do that trial and error like uh work on your self-awareness and find out like okay, what is it that I like, whether it's, you know, something as simple as food, or like different cuisines, or, you know, something like, okay, what in with, with respect to mental health, and like, self care things, what is it that works for me? So it's, yeah, so like, in, in addition to doing what makes you feel good, it's really important, like to get there, like to be more self aware, about like, even even the smallest things in your life, like whether it's, food or like you know when you like to take a bath or how you like to take a bath or um 
you know it's whether it's even like what works for you like when when you're stressed like does breath work work for you or like does journaling work so different things work for different people mm. and so self-awareness and you know it's important to help you realize okay like this is what I'm what I'm gonna do to make me feel good so that was that was a very key point that you brought up <laughs> oh I'm glad you think so um I feel so like uplifted by this podcast episode I feel really like positive about things you have such a nice maybe it's the Reiki you have a really nice energy you're so smiley and bubbly but I think also I mean, I've just literally thought about this. You can be like a really happy, outgoing, bubbly, smiley person and still sort of suffer from um, mental health illnesses as well. Um, So yeah, just the importance of checking in with even your friends who seem really bubbly and and happy um, because you never know what's what's going on in, in the sort of, what's the word? I don't know what phrase I'm looking for, but sometimes you don't know what's going on under the, under the surface, I guess is the phrase. Um, but yeah, I've really, really enjoyed this episode. I think if we sort of come to sort of wrapping it up, I was just wondering, what do you wish that you, what, what would you tell your younger self when you were struggling? Um, what would you say to her now? So um, I think the first thing uh, I, would tell, I would tell her is, um, you know, start loving yourself. It's it's not a sin. It's not anything bad. Um, it's actually something that's um, really good and that's going to take you places um, mentally that you've never been before. It's going to open avenues for you. Um, yeah, it's, it's what's going to ground you and build your self-confidence. So start loving yourself. And the second thing would be like, you know, you got this. Like, you've, you're going to get through this it, there are people to support you. There are people who care about you, who love you. And um, even if even if they are or there aren't those kind of people, I'm still there for you. So you got this. You're going to get through this. And um, keep loving yourself and do, doing things that make you feel good. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree with those anymore. I really relate to the bit where you said that you are going to get through this. I think when I was um, suffering with um, an anxiety disorder, um, I sort of told my, I used to worry about these situations, these horrible scenarios, you know, my parents dying or whatever, my boyfriend breaking up with me, all these situations that were completely out of my control. Um, and, you know, my parents will die at some point. Um, but I used to worry so much because I think I told myself that I wouldn't be able to cope. Um, I told myself I wouldn't be able to get through it. And I, yeah, I just wouldn't cope. Um, and actually like reflecting on the past, you know, I've obviously been through um, some sad situations and I have got through them. Um, so I think, yeah, we should use those, you know reflect on those sad experiences to prove to ourselves that we can get through it is there anything else that you would like to share oh just one thing I feel like I missed out on this um because I was so excited to talk to you (laughs) I can't just kept going it's 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 something that um that I feel like that happens to a lot of people like a lot of people like jump to the worst case scenario really often and get a lot of negative thoughts like their first instinct or their first th- first few thoughts in their heads are like the negative ones and mm-hmm. the positive ones come much later or they don't come at all so and and a lot of a lot of times it happens that people like just keep thinking and replaying that same episode in their head and it it becomes more stressful like significantly more stressful than than it actually is so I think one one important thing, like really important thing for all of us to realize that a thought is like simply just a thought and and that's something that can be changed and can be controlled. Um, so yeah, let's let's just remember that. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, having a thought doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. Um, it's something I didn't realize like our brains are so powerful and sometimes they just go off on one and I don't know what they do they get a bit lost and confused and they they like sometimes lie to us and play out these scenarios which just isn't the case Um, so if you were to get one of those sort of negative thoughts how do you sort of um, get rid of it or like replace it with something positive how do you cope with that I think first like what I do first is maybe write it down or accept that I'm feeling that way because 
Mm-hmm. I, it's really important to accept how you're feeling and acknowledge that okay yeah I feel like shit right now or like I'm so scared <laughs> right now <laughs> and yeah so that's so that's that's I in my opinion is like first step like acceptance and second I try to so I so for me when I'm scared or nervous or you know not feeling great my my breath like goes becomes weird and it's either like really fast um or things like that and there's like you know a pit in my stomach i feel things like that so um i focus on my breath even if it's like just two deep breaths or four deep breaths i i get like my breath in order and then i i and then i say to myself a thought is just a thought like there are infinite possibilities it can mm. and there's an equal up op- like probability of things turning out to be any one of these possibilities so let's not you know get pulled towards negative let's just be realistic and understand that anything can happen and that anything doesn't have to be the negative thing all the time so that's i really i really like that i really like that and in a way at the very start we were talking about like positivity and toxic positivity and that is just really realistic um, which i really like because I always call myself a realist, sometimes kind of verges on negativity, (laughs) like being more negative about things. But that's just, you know, anything can happen. This is just a thought, though. It doesn't mean that it's happened or it's going to happen or whatever. Um, Let's focus on what we can control or, yeah, let's try and be, yeah, rather than being like, yeah, just sort of forcing positivity, I guess. Just, yeah, which I really like. Pulling yourself back to reality. (laughs) So um, is there anything sort of, what are your sort of final uh, tips for all of us? You've shared, you've shared so many things. I think the self-love, I couldn't agree with more. Um, What else would you say maybe to anyone struggling right now or, you know, anybody not struggling, but just wanting to look after their mental health? What would you say? So I think, I think, I think just, um, focusing on your breathing just breath work Mm -hmm. it it doesn't have to be like um you're sitting and meditating for 10 minutes with like 20,000 different thoughts like just you know going zoom 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 in your head it doesn't have to be like that you can play a video and you know just or you can just breathe like take five deep breaths so breath work is really important um for everyone just to you know come back to that normal physiological state come back to that mental state where you can think a a little bit more rationally a little bit more logically and um yes positive self-talk like talk to yourself like how you would talk to like a child or your best friend or how you would talk to your future child if you want to have one Mm. so like love yourself like that talk to yourself like that because you are a human at the end of the day you're going to make mistakes but that's how you're going to learn that's how you're going to become better that's how you're going to you know move forward in life so don't be scared to make mistakes. And the last thing would be be kind to yourself and be kind to other people. Like if if someone is reaching out for help, don't shrug it off, please. Um, it, it has taken them a lot of courage, a lot mm. of energy, a lot of strength to reach out to you. Don't shrug it off. Don't just just try to listen. Um, I don't know. I I don't know where I stand in a stand on about people sharing their experiences when you know someone else is saying something. But just try to listen to the other person first. And if you feel like it's something that could help them share and yeah, just try to help them out. I love that so much. Honestly, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Um, I'm sure everyone listening will have found this inspiring as well and, and really helpful. Um, um, I You are so... Um, honest about your experiences um and I can really tell that how however awful those experiences were they've really you know made you learn about yourself and and you know made you um the amazing person that you are today thank you so much for having me on your podcast and I'm, I'm very grateful for this opportunity and that I could you know watch you get the courage and get my story out you are more than welcome 
Thank you so much for listening to episode six of Stories vs. Stigma. And thank you so much again to Viha. If you have enjoyed this episode, please remember to tell all of your friends and family about it and go onto Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, leave us a rating and remember to subscribe. And we shall see you next week. Bye everybody. Have a lovely week and enjoy the sunshine.